Well, this morning, the message is the greatest commandment. You guys know what the greatest commandment is? It's love. The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God. And the second one is love your neighbor as yourself. So like I've said as we've talked about this, we live in a society where love is just so overused. It's so misunderstood. You know, we, 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 you know, this time of year you hear stuff like, I love Christmas. Anybody ever heard someone say they love Christmas? What they mean is, I like getting stuff. The, the word love should, is not the, the, the word that should be used there. And then some people, and I just don't get this, I absolutely can't understand it, but have you ever heard anybody say, I love the cowboys? What is wrong with those people? The cowboys crying out loud. So, funniest thing I ever saw is <laughs> a buddy was, t- I used to work in a restaurant. I went out, my first job ever, I worked as a dishwasher at a JB's. You guys remember JB's when they were around? And I worked as a dishwasher, and one of the guys that worked there said that he went in to clean the bathroom one time. And he called them, you know those little pieces, those paper wrappers you put on the toilets? He called them butt gaskets. And he said, yeah, somebody wrote on the butt gasket, free Dallas cowboy hats. <laughs> But you see, love is just used incorrectly nonstop. And then we also have this idea, and I talked about it briefly, that, and this drives me crazy, is that in order to love somebody, that means you have to agree with everything they do and say. And if you don't agree with them, that's because you hate them. And that's why Christians hate everybody, because we don't agree with their lifestyle. And that's just nonsense. You can love people, and disagree with them. Matter of fact, I would say that it's actually probably a requirement. Because if you agreed with everything everybody did, and you, and you said everything was okay, I mean, let's get a little nonsensical here, and if somebody really, really wanted to go lay down in the middle of the highway, and we're like, oh, I love them, so I've got to let them do what they want. How many of you know that if you let them go lay down in the middle of the highway, that's not showing love? If you don't do something to stop that, if you don't do something to stop people from, from doing drugs that are killing themselves, that are destroying themselves, if you don't make a stand, or do, if you don't discipline your kids, how many of you know that when you discipline your kids, they don't feel like you love them? But you're showing love when you do those things. We, and God is the same way. God loves us as we looked at two weeks, three weeks ago, more than anything we could ever imagine. His love is unfathomable, but he doesn't agree with everything that we do. God accepts us as we are. But the result of his love is change. Did you know that? The result of God's love towards you should be change. His His love spurs growth and change inside of us, and he loves us enough to meet us wherever that we are at. Wherever, no matter how bad your life is, no matter how bad things are going, no matter what you're doing, God loves you enough that he will meet you right there. But he loves you so much that he won't let you stay that way. He wants you to grow. He wants you to live a better life. But see, the problem with love today is it's, is it's somehow become like a noun or a, it's a... It's, it's an item, it's a, it's a commodity, it's an object. But in the scripture, love is a verb. Love is a command. It's something that we are supposed to do. We're commanded to love, and not like the world loves. 
not letting people do whatever they want and, and, and getting away with everything, but to love them like Jesus did. And the truth is, as Christians, we should be known by our love for others. I mean, people should be able to look at us and see something different. When we walk by people, they should be like, I think he just got some love on me. I mean, love should be oozing out of our pores and, and invested in everything that we do. In the scriptures we saw last week, it says that by this all people will know that you are my, my disciples. If you have love for one another, we should be known by our love. So let's go and get started in the scripture this morning. Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40 says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So this was a a Jewish lawyer asking Jesus this. And he's familiar with the scriptures. He's familiar with that stuff. And, And in the Old Testament, there are 613 laws or commandments. And the first five books of the, the New Testament is what we're talking about here, the book of the law, the Pentateuch. And that's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And uh, he wants to know that out of all of those 613 laws or commandments, which is the greatest? And Jesus says the first commandment is to love God. And how much are we supposed to love Him? With all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. That means with everything. Let me break it down for you. That means there shouldn't be an ounce of you that doesn't love God. Every fiber of your being should love God. And that means your, 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 your soul, that's your will and your emotions. And your mind, that's your intelligence, that's your, your thinking. And the question that we have to ask ourselves is, do we love Him with it all? Or are there times that we sh- when we share our love? And I think if we take a step back and we think honestly about it, there are plenty of times when we share our love. And we're like, man, I'd rather, I don't want to spend time in the Word right now or pray. I, I would rather just watch this TV show. Or I'd rather sleep. Sometimes we love sleep more than we love God. And there's all these times that we put something in place of God, but the truth is that we should love God more than anything. We should be jumping out of our bed excited to be spending time with God. And I realize these things are all easier said than done. I struggle with them myself just like anybody else. And I wonder, like, I know that there's sometimes when I, I get into a good book. You guys ever had a good book that you can't put down? And my son right now, he's reading uh, uh, the Perseus uh, books right now, Perseus Jackson books. And he's like just going, like chain reading them. Like every time I look, he's just reading them. He's going through a book every couple days. And I, I look at them and I'm like, there's, there's books I've read like that where I just can't put them down. I, I, I stay up way later than I should trying to read them. And the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I want to crack them open. And I ask myself, why don't I ever do that with the Bible? Sometimes I have to drag myself over to the couch and sit down to get myself to read it. And I, I don't understand that. I don't have an answer for that either. I just don't sometimes. <laughs> I wish I did. I pray that I would have that kind of passion for the Scripture and spending time with God. But there's so many other things that try to squeeze their way into my life. But we shouldn't. And the second one is love 
your neighbor. And it doesn't, he's not just talking about the two people on either side of your house. This includes everybody. Matter of fact, Jesus makes it clear. This is how he does it. He says in Luke 10, 29 through 37, he says, But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. And now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go. And do likewise. You see, the, the impactful thing about this story is he's speaking to a bunch of Jews. And he's talking about a Samaritan. They were, they were not on the same level as the Jews. They thought of them as beneath them, below them. They weren't clean. They weren't, they weren't Jews. They didn't love God. They, I mean, they, they, they thought the worst of these people. And Jesus said, even these, even enemies would be your neighbor. Love your neighbor. That means love everybody. Love everybody. And the thing that's profound about this is what he says right here. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Basically, what he's saying, how many of you guys know the 613 commandments or laws in the, in the Old Testament? Yeah, I don't feel bad. I don't know them all either. But here's what I do know. That if I follow this one, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and your mind, and if I follow this one, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, that means that in those two, I will have been obedient to every commandment of God. Every single one. You don't believe, we'll, just, we'll just look at a few of the Ten Commandments that we can look at. So what's one of them? You shall have no other God before me. Which one does that fall in? Love your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. If you do that, you'll have no other God before God. You shall not make graven images. You'll not you know, have an idol, something that you worship instead of God. Well, if you love your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, you're covered. You shall not steal. If you love your neighbor as yourself, you won't steal. You shall not murder. Who's, who here is like, I can't wait to kill myself? Or I can't wait to take something from myself. All these things, if you, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you're going to fulfill every commandment. Even honor your mother and your father. If you love them like you love yourself, you love your neighbor, you fulfill that one. Even, even the one, don't covet. If you love people, you wouldn't covet their stuff. I mean, every single law, you don't even have to know them all. Now, I thank God that our, our performance, our, our righteousness, our love of God isn't based on how well we perform these things. But the truth is, God is the same today and yesterday and tomorrow and forever and ever and always. And like I said, He'll love you even if He doesn't like the things that you're doing. Even if you're not doing these things, He'll continue to love you. But the truth is, His life inside of us should change us and make us live lives that 
without thinking, fulfill these things. Amen? Amen? The only person that you're not commanded to love is yourself. Isn't that interesting? The only person you're not commanded to love, you want to know why that is? Not a single person in here had to be told to love themselves. They just do that on their own. We all love ourselves. We don't have to be commanded to do that. It's loving other people that sometimes we need to have a little bit of direction. And finally, the truth is, is that love for others is so much greater than love for ourselves. Amen? John 21, 15 through 17 says, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Feed my lambs. And he said to him a second time, Simon, son of God, do you love me? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, Tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. See, this is the story of Peter's redemption, right? We all know the story. Jesus, or Peter denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed, right? And this was Jesus' opportunity to restore him. To, he denied him publicly three times, and now he got to declare his love for him publicly three times. A lot of smarter theologians than I am will tell you that that's what's going on here. He's getting to do these things. But what I look at this, I read this, especially in light of what we're talking about today, is, is basically what we just looked at, the, great command, the, the greatest commandment is covered right here in the second one. First thing it says, Peter, do you love me? That's the first one, right? Do you love me with all your heart, your mind, and your soul? And what does he tell him to do if that's the case? Feed my lambs. Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. Kind of looks like the second one, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. Basically, Jesus said, love me and my sheep. The greatest commandment in these things, you're doing the will of God. Amen? And 1 John 4, 7 through 8, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God, and anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. So why should we love one another? Because Love is from God. And God lives inside of you, right? If you've been saved, God lives inside of you. You've got Jesus' life in place of your own. And He loves you freely. God loves you freely. So as a result, we should love freely. Amen? And love is so much a defining mark of a born-again Christian. That should be how people are able to point you out by how you interact with others, how you share with others, how you treat others. It should be your calling card. It should be your credentials. And you should wear it with, with honor, a, a badge of, of, of pride in, in the Father. Not a pride in yourself, but pride in what He's done inside of you. And if you know God, and you're born again, you should love. And like we said, it's not a, a good idea. It's not a suggestion. It's a commandment. We should love. But the thing is, the opposite is true. If you don't love, then you don't know God. Why is that? Because God is love. If you knew love, if you were touched by God, 
If you knew God, love would flow through you. It would be uncontrollable. You wouldn't be able to stop it. And that's because God is love. That's, it's a simple math. You know, when one thing equals another, they're exactly the same. God is love. Love is God. That's who He is. That's one of His characteristics. And you were made in His image. When you were remade in Jesus Christ, that is who you are. Love is a byproduct of being saved as Christ flows through you, as you imitate Christ as you live, as you were supernaturally transformed on the inside by Jesus Christ. Galatians 5.22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's one of the the natural reactions as Christ lives inside of you, as the Holy Spirit works inside of you, as love oozing out. There was a story once of a large amount of radioactive material being stolen from a hospital. And when the hospital administrator notified the police, he said, please warn the thief that he is carrying death with him and that the radioactive material cannot be successfully hidden as long as it is, he has it in his possession, it is affecting him disastrously. Love, God's love inside of you is kind of like that, except for the you know, killing part. It's, it should emanate from you. and every, If you're carrying it inside of you, there is nothing that you can do to hide it. There is nothing that you can do to stifle it. It will be oozing out of you, affecting you and affecting everybody around you. Making a difference. And as long as you abide in Him and, and He in you, there's nothing that you can do. You can't hide that love. You know, when I, when I look at stuff like this, I, I realize why, why James would say the stuff that he did when he said, he said, show me your faith by your works, and I'll show you, or you show me your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. And the same is true here. Basically, it says that, that if, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Is basically because when, when God touches you, something changes inside of you and you can't help it. It should affect change in your life. It's why James was saying those things. Not that the works make you saved, but when God touches you like that, it changes how you live. It changes how you interact with people. It changes how you see people. It makes a difference. If someone doesn't love... The reality is they can't know God. Because if they knew God, they would love. Amen? 1 John 4, 9-11 says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. God's love was manifested in His Son. It wasn't just a pretty coast card. It wasn't just something that you would see sewn on a pillow. It wasn't Him going, I love you guys. No, really. But He showed it. It was manifest in His Son. There was evidence. There was action. And He sent His Son to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. Not Jesus' sin. Not God's sin. Our sin. But He loved us so much that He sent His Son to pay that price for us. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows His love for us so that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
This is when we were still messed up. This is when we were still broken. This was before we were changed. This is when we were enemies of God. His Son came and died for us to make us brand new. And not that we would, not that we would just be free from death. Not that we would just be forgiven, but that we would be free to live through Him. See, Ephesians 2.1 says that you were dead in the trespasses and sins. We were dead before. But when He came, He gave us a brand new life. We could finally live. And He didn't do this because we loved Him. Because the truth is that before, before Jesus came into your life, you were an enemy of God. Colossians 1.21 it says, And you once who were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. You were alienated. You were hostile in mind. Romans 5.10 says that for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. So much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by His life. He did this because He loved us. And if that's the case, if God mounted up and actually acted out, He lived out His love for us, he didn't just say it and turn a blind eye. He, didn't ju- he, he, he made it. He did something about it. His love required action on our part. And the truth is, love inside of us requires action on our part as well. And how can we have any other response than to love others? I mean, it's, we, we see it in, in smaller doses Throughout the, I mean, this is, uh, you guys remember the big campaign, the Pay It Forward campaign? That was an amazing thing, right? And the whole idea was that if you give to somebody else first, that would inspire in them a, a willingness to, to give and be a blessing to somebody else. And we see it in small doses. We see those things. We see that when somebody gives something to us or when something does something charitable or somebody does something amazing, it inspires us to do those kind of things. Yet it's so easy to get so jaded to see what God did for us. And this is the greatest thing that anybody's ever done for anybody in the history of the earth. It's the greatest amount of love shown by anybody in the history of the earth in all time. And that should inspire in us a willingness to go out and show that same kind of love. He says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. How are we going to manifest our love to others? You know, and there's so many ways to do it. One of them is I encourage you guys, I'll be here for that Wednesday to go out and sing the Christmas carol. Such a small act, a small thing. And it might be uncomfortable. It might be cold. You might want to be doing something else that night. But you know what? We're going to express Christ's love and make a difference in this community. Those little things. In 1 John 4, 12-14, it says, No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. While it's true that none of us have physically seen God, we can see Him abiding in others. If we see somebody expressing love towards one another. If we see a Christian sharing the love of Christ, we are seeing God in action in them. And we see and testify of God by demonstrating His love. 
You know, people can see God in you and God's love in you when you share with them. That's why when they do missionary work overseas and they're providing clothing and shelter and housing, they ask, why are you doing this? And they say, because Christ loved me. I'm going to love you. And they, they get to see God's love. It's why so many Muslims right now are having their world shaken because their whole life they've been told Christians are, are just hatred incarnate and they're terrible people. And they're saying, wait a minute. How can these people that are supposed to be so bad be expressing such love towards me and it's making an impact? They are seeing God in the actions and the love expressed of Christians around the world. And it's one thing to tell people about the love of God. How many know that to run your mouth is easy? Just ask my girls. Or any kid for that matter. Ask me. I run my mouth plenty. The truth is, to tell people is one thing, but to actually show them, to actually do something about it, is a different thing entirely. In 1 John 3, 17-18, it says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. You see, the Pharisees had a similar problem. They were all talk and no action. In Luke eleven forty two, it says, But woe to you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and every herb and neglect justice and the love of God. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Basically, their family was in need and they were like, Oh, sorry, we gave everything to God. We can't help. And Jesus is like, Wait a minute. You guys should have been giving to God. You should have been doing those things, but you should also have not been neglecting justice and not be neglecting the love of God. He said, you should, these you ought to have done without neglecting the others. There's no excuse, basically, for us not to share the love of God with people in our actions. In 1 John 4, 14-18, it says, And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. By this is love perfected with us, so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. Because as He is also... <clears throat> As so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Isn't that good news? That, where is it at? As he is, so also are we in this world. That we are victorious. That we are conquerors that he was defeated death. That's who we are. But back to love. You know, there's no fear in love. When you love somebody, they they shouldn't be afraid of you. If you know somebody loves you, then you trust them implicitly. If you believe somebody loves you, no matter what's going on, you're going to continue to trust them. 
There's a story, I've, I've told it before, but I think it's such an amazing story of a Roman ship captain who had his wife and his children on the ship with him, and they're, they're going across the oceans, and this massive storm comes upon the ship, and it's at, in danger of being capsized. And the wife sees this, this Roman soldier who says, you need to go talk to the captain. You need to go do something and get something taken care of. And she's getting upset. She's afraid for her life. She's afraid for her children. And the captain is like, there's nothing I can do. And he's pushing her back. He's holding her off. And she keeps getting in his face. She keeps going at him. And she's going nonstop. And finally, the Roman captain pulls out his sword and he puts it to her chest. And he says, are you not afraid? And she says, why would I be afraid when the, the, the instrument of death is in the hand of someone that loves me. And he says, woman, why would I be afraid of this storm that's in the hand of my God? You see, perfect love casts out fear. When you have love for somebody, you trust them implicitly. And God's love for us should cause that as well. We should have no fear in anything. I remember I had a dream when I was, uh, I was in high school, I think. But I got shot in this dream, and I, I, I died in this dream. And I remember it was at that point that I, I realized that I did trust God because I wasn't scared, I wasn't afraid. I just went, well, this is it. It was over, and I was ready to move on. And the, the same is true that I, I remember before that I was terrified of death, you know, wondering what was going to happen, what, what, what kind of things would go on. But I miss out on so much. But then one day I realized that God loves me and, and that's nothing to be feared there. The truth is, being in the hands of God should cast out our fear. And we should be expressing that towards others as well. If we are afraid, it's because we are worried about punishment and we don't yet comprehend the greatness of His love. When the truth is, because of his love, we can have great confidence. In 1 John four nineteen through 21 it says, We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. I guess talking about earlier, the natural result of his great love for us is to love others. It says right here that if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. If this sentence is part of your life, then you're lying about one of the two things. Because if you love God, you wouldn't hate your brother. And if you hate your brother, you can't love God. It says right here that, <clears throat> that he's a liar if he says these things. How can you love God who you have not seen if we can't love those whom we have seen? Anybody get the the conundrum there? If we can't even love things that are right in front of our face, people that are right there, how can we claim the love of God that we can't see? in, In many ways, there's no physical, tangible form there. But the truth is, if you love your brother, you are seeing God in your love. I love that we can actually see God in action in the actions of others. We can see God moving. 
And like I said, once again, this is not a, a good idea. This is a commandment. We need to love. We must, we must love our brothers. In John 15, 12 through 14, it says, This is my commandment, that you, have, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends, and you are my friends if you do what I command you. It's like Jesus said, you remember when he said, Lord, Lord, or why do you call me Lord, Lord, if you don't do what I say? And Jesus is commanding us to love one another, even the people you don't like, even the people that have done something hard to you. You know, it's, it's easy to love nice people. Anybody ever notice that? Nice people are easy to love. But sometimes we have to love people that are, that are tougher to love. There's people in this room that can be tough to love sometimes. Everybody's like, it must not be me, it's them over there. If you're looking around for somebody, it's probably you. You're the one that's tough to love if you're looking around trying to find the person. So this is my commandment, that you love one another, and greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You know, that's the kind of love that we're commanded to have for one another. Are you willing to sacrifice for the people around you? Are you willing to give up even your own life for someone in this room, for your brothers and sisters? Because that's the same kind of love that God showed you. See, that's real love when you put others ahead of yourself. If you're only showing love to people because it benefits you, then you've missed the boat. That's not real love. Real love is putting others ahead of yourself. No matter what the consequences. And the truth is, who can love like that? Like I said, some things are easier said than done. And we wonder, how could we ever love like that? But the truth is, that if it was left up to you, it's probably true, none of us could love like that. But if he abides in you and you abide in him, you can show that kind of love because his love is living and, and flowing through you. So, if we understand that we're to love, I mean, the command is, is pretty clear that we are to love God and love one another. What does that love actually look like? 1 Corinthians 13, 1-3, it says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have a prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I am nothing. You guys know 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's often referred to as the love chapter. And the truth is, is that love validates everything that we do as believers. As Christians, love validates everything that we do. No matter how accomplished you are, no matter how spiritual you are, no matter how many great and amazing things that you've done, if they weren't done out of love, then they're nothing. Amen. They're worth nothing. They, they have no, no meaning. And that means even if you give up everything, if you act sacrificially, without love it is nothing. And Paul's referring to real love. He's he's talking about biblical love. The love that we have as a response to Christ's love for us. And it's not love that is manipulative or with ulterior motives. You know, when you're, like I said, when you're doing something 
loving to somebody, but the ultimate goal is for you to get something, then what kind of love is that really? That's just love of self, not love of them. That's the problem that we have today. The truth is, is we say we act in love, but so many times our love is selfish even when we do lovely things. And it's not solely for the other person, but we ask, what can we get from this if we do these things? If I buy my kids these gifts, will they love me more? If I rub my wife's feet, what am I going to get out of that? We have these ulterior motives. And we realize that what we're doing is not in love, at least not in love for someone else, it's in love for ourselves. Even the most seemingly sacrificial things, even death, is nothing if you're not doing it out of love. It's pointless, it's meaningless. It's one of those things you see these very dedicated religious um, zealots, you know, like the ones that are doing suicide bombings. And they're willing to give their life for their religion, but there's no love in what they're doing. So what's the point? 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 says, Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but it rejoices with the truth. And love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. This is a picture of what love looks like, what godly love looks like. Love is patient. It doesn't snap. It doesn't throw people to the wayside if they're not moving fast enough. You ever had somebody, particularly you see it in the church when they're not maturing as fast as you would like, so you just want to give up on them and kick them out, be done with it? That's not love. Love is patient. And love is kind. It encourages, it lifts people up, and it takes care of others. It doesn't take care of itself. And it does not envy. You know, if you love somebody, you don't envy what they have. Rather, you rejoice with them in what they have. That's a tough one. I mean, we can take a look at our lives. I can take a look at my life. And I'm not any different than any of you guys, so I know if I can look at my life and see it, then you can as well. Or we, instead of rejoicing with people what they have, we wonder why did they get it and not me. Whether that be at your job, or even being as bold to say, God, I'm way more spiritual than them. Why are they getting this blessing and not me? Love doesn't boast. If you're that person that got it, you know what love doesn't do? Boast at the blessing that you have at the expense of others. It's not arrogant, but rather it's humble. And it's not rude, but rather love is uplifting. And love does not get irritated at others, and it's not resentful at others for any reason. And love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. And we don't rejoice when somebody else gets theirs. But instead, love rejoices with the truth. And love rejoices that Jesus died for all and all can come to salvation. That's what love should inspire in us. And love bears and endures all things. It'll take the weight of somebody else's world on its shoulders And it'll endure all hurt, even when it's hard. 
And love believes and hopes as well. Love causes you to believe in someone even when it seems like there's no reason. And it allows you to have hope because you have the same hope in your own shortcomings. Amen? Amen. In 1 Corinthians 13, 8 through 12, it says, Love never ends. Or rather, this is just 13.8. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Did you know that when Jesus comes back, the power of the Holy Spirit won't be needed? When Jesus comes back, we're not going to need victory. And there's not going to need any victory in heaven because there is no opposition in heaven. And there won't be in need of any healing in heaven because there is no sickness in heaven. And tongues and prophecy and revelation won't be needed in heaven because we will have full revelation in heaven. But you know what? Love will continue on through eternity. All this other stuff, it's for now, it's for today. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit today. But the truth is, when we go home, none of that stuff is needed. But love will exist now and it will continue to exist. Love never, ever ends. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. You know, we abide in love as a natural response to the greatness of the love that God has shown us in His Son. And abiding in love is the greatest of the commandments. It says we're to love our God with our heart, soul, and mind, all of it, and love our neighbor as ourselves. And when we ask ourselves, as Christians, what should we be doing? As Christians, how should we be living our lives? As Christians, how should we be impacting the world? This is it. This is how we do those things. Love encompasses all. And if we would love, if we would just love God and love our neighbor, everything else would fall into place. And I want you to know that faith is good. And hope is good. But love is better. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet.